You're listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. One of Us is a podcast and video network funded all but entirely by donations and subscriptions. We do accept pitches for audio-based or banner ads, but on a case-by-case basis. If you're interested in that, contact us at oneofusnet at gmail.com. With the amount of audio and video content we generate, it is expensive and extremely time-consuming to keep things running. Please go to the webpage oneofus.net and sign up for a subscription at 2 5 10 or $25 and get a ton of bonus content. One of Us needs and appreciates all your support. actually got an argument with somebody once about the Doom Patrol, and this is well before there was a television show adaptation, before the idea of a television show of the Doom Patrol was even plausible as a thing that might happen someday. And they're like, man, fuck that. It's just a ripoff of the X-Men. And I looked at him and went, you do realize the first Doom Patrol comic came out like a week before the first X-Men comic, right? The connections are there. Certainly, they're both groups of society reject superheroes that even other superheroes are kind of weirded out by that all have fucked up backgrounds and are kind of dysfunctional and are led by a, a scientist in a wheelchair. Now, enter Grant Morrison years later, and he recreated the Doom Patrol for the 80s and 90s in a way that was absolutely drenched in LSD and psychedelic drugs. And I'd never seen before, and this is during the high point of my being a young comic book collector, I was like, what is this? And I like it. And where can I get some of the drugs this guy is on? That's a whole nother story. But to make a long story short, we're here to talk about the show, Doom Patrol on HBO, the second season, in fact, that came from those madcap acid-drenched Grant Morrison scribings of the comic. Joining me here today, I have some really solid people, all of whom I wouldn't be surprised if they had had their own adventures down that road. First off, I've got Jordan. What the fuck? Feels like a jingle to a commercial. What the fuck? Brought to you by What the Fuck. Danny Doggett. Sad robot man. Doggett, I mean. And Aaron. I'll have you know that Papa Bear is chased and restrained, has never done drugs in his entire life. I am a bullshit soul. Are you ready to dance with a sex demon? <laughs> Not even like, well, you've done legal drugs. You mean illegal drugs. Oh, I'm lying through my teeth. I've done them all. It's fun. See, I was going to say, I know you was like, <laughs> was it like the Frank Zappa genetics you've got there? You're like, yeah, I've never done psychedelic drugs. And everyone's like, how is that possible? <laughs> You did mention, like, the weirdness of it, and honestly, that's what makes this maybe the best live-action superhero comic book-related show at the moment. I love Grant Morrison's Doom Patrol, and, and I, too, never even thought, yeah, they're never going to make anything out of this. That's fucking impossible. But here it is, and I adore it. Also, this is the most woke show ever that is so nonstop entertainingly bizarre and hardcore. That, and I don't mean edgelordy. I mean just bizarre and hardcore that even if you're one of those people like, why are they lecturing us? I can't. You're an idiot if you say that after the show. There's a transgender character on this and it's an anthropomorphized street. I don't know what to tell you. That's amazing. Danny Street is more gender queer. And if you guys enjoy sad, depressing shit, do I got the show for you? <laughs> that gets that way too. Doom Patrol season two definitely takes a turn a bit into the melodramatic. To get you caught up for those who maybe saw it, like, wait, where were we? Uh, uh, uh. 
<clears throat> stepping up to the microphone. After defeating Mr. Nobody at the end of season one, the Doom Patrol, except for Larry, remain miniaturized and stuck counting the days out while living on Cliff's toy race car track. They all feel rightfully betrayed by the Chief, played by Timothy Dalton, who, along with Larry, is trying to figure out how to restore them. Meanwhile, the Chief's daughter, Dorothy, played by Abigail Shapiro, who appeared at the end of last season, is giving an origin story that continues to parcel out info over the season, like who had sex and agreed to have a child with the Chief that would create a weirdo like Dorothy. Rita uses her downtime to learn how to use her powers correctly. The Chief loses his immortality, which no one feels sorry for him about, except that it is a problem. Dorothy has god-level powers that she really doesn't know how to use, and weird totemic mind creatures that can materialize when she's confused or upset. She only remains calm when she's with Dad, or when she's living on Danny the Street, a genderqueer, self-aware location that unfortunately is currently reduced to the size of a single brick and isn't taking tenants. Big Stone, or Cyborg, seeks therapy for his PTSD and meets someone else very damaged, and with powers, there's a love connection. The return of a dominant personality in Crazy Jane's head, Miranda, played by Samantha Marie Ward, has other per the other personalities set against Jane being the dominant one. And then it starts to get weird. 90% of that is episode one. Yeah, well, like I said, I didn't want to get deep into the season of, of, like, spoilers there, but, like, that's, like, where we start. Yeah. What draws me into the show is that, while yes, technically this is about a group of superpowered individuals, I almost feel like it's not at all an actual superhero TV show. Like, technically speaking, they have saved the world on several occasions, but that's always a really kind of common thing that just happens and they move past it. Really what the show is about is a bunch of damaged people trying to come to terms with their own neuroses. Like, this ends up being kind of self-help the show, and that's what really works about it for me. <laughs> Nah, fuck that. That's like when people, like, whenever a horror movie's too good, people are like, oh, that's not a horror movie. No, this is a superhero show that is amazing, that gives us great characters. Well, they're all sad, mostly, but they're still great characters. They are. And usually I tell people that take their time, you know, get, take however long you need. But, you know, some of these characters are like 60 years old. It's like, okay, okay, you're gonna have to start moving on soon. I'm not watching the season three of Sad Sacks again. Well, without drama, you know, what drama is there? I would like to see a season that was a little bit more like Mr. Nobody gets Dr. Abby Hoffman's bicycle, the guy who accidentally invented LSD and rode the first ever acid trip was him riding on the bike. I just recently started trying to track down the, the trades of those. And believe it or not, most of them are like way out of print. And you're like, wouldn't now be a good time? DC's been recollecting it. Oh, uh, stop acting like DC knows what they're doing. <laughs> That's fair. Right now, it's clear they do not. I do like that is a more character-based show. I think now more than ever, even though people are more susceptible and willing to open up and actually go out there and take a leap and find themselves, it is still a bit of a scary process. I've been in those shoes myself. To see that uh, reflected in one of the more dominant genres right now with superheroes, queer representation, race representation, is fascinating. It's amazing how well balanced this show is with the sincere like you can have cliff deal with the you know emotional baggage and how he was as a father of his daughter while in the same episode holy shit that's a sex ghost can i just touch on the sex ghost for a minute I think you gotta ask first before you could touch the sex ghost. But I think they're willing. You know it's gonna get weird when Danny the Street, the genderqueer, anthropomorphized street, the Danny's 
who represent people across the spectrum who lived on Danny, who can teleport, but is kind of its own place that protects them. They come to the house to party and Flex Mentalo, who is this guy who looks like the muscle man of the beach from the old comic books who kick dirt in the guy's face. He has a power where he can flex muscles and make like reality changes. And they figure out that Rita, Elastigirl, and by the way, my second favorite character on the show, she has never had an orgasm. And she's like technically in like what her nineties or something now. So Flex is like, let's see if we can fix that and using his power. And somehow this combination of events is a perfect storm that ends up opening up the world to sex ghosts, which by the end of the show, the mansion is still infested with. And the sex men are called in, which are basically Ghostbusters, except they exclusively deal with supernatural manifestations that have to deal with sex. And thank you, Grant Morrison. That's such a special episode because even one of the characters had to be like, man, you guys are depressed. Want a hit? That played on the funniest moment of last season when they were on Danny Street trying to find Mr. Nobody and Flex flexed the wrong muscle and everybody on Danny Street suddenly orgasmed, except for Cliff, sadly. That episode honestly played into why I thought Rita was my favorite character this season. You mean the bee queen? The beekeeper, thank you. Where she's like, I'm going to be a superhero, damn it, and I need to find my identity. Exactly. Like, really? You're going to go with beekeeper? Okay. Exactly. I'm going to be Mrs. Peel. Which for her and someone of her age, the Avengers, not the Marvel ones, the British television show, are superheroes in her mind. Just to confirm, am I the only one in this group whose favorite character is Crazy Jane? No, Crazy Jane is my first. Okay. Yeah, she's my number one. Okay. And that's partially because of actress Diane Guerrero. She is so good that I'm kind of annoyed they got different actresses to play a lot of the other personalities because she easily could have done them all. She's okay. Well, she does them in the real world, you know. I'm more of a Larry person, even though I bitch about how sad the show is. Yeah, Larry, much like Cliff, played by a different actor in the suit because you don't need to see his face. And Matt Bomer, much like Brendan Fraser, who plays Cliff, is a bigger name actor. So, like, I'll do the show, but I don't have to be there all the time, right? I can just do voiceover. But they are some of the most compelling characters just in all of TV for me right now. Brendan Fraser and Matt Bomer are just... They bring a lot of gravitas and there's just so much emotion to their voice roles. I thought that Larry's run this season was one of the main reasons this season was kind of overly depressing and dark. He massacred people in the first season. <laughs> he was a lot more fun in the first season. <laughs> and Cliff is exactly the same. He's just yelling and, and getting, he gets really excited and happy about something and then it doesn't work out. And then he says, fuck a lot. I relate to him a lot. Really? I'm not the craziest fan of Brendan Fraser as a voice cast for, for him. In fact, I think if anything, he's probably the weak spot in the casting on this show. I mean, he's not terrible, but I wonder if now that the show is officially a confirmed hit and got moved to being a straight up HBO show and the discussions this season, which, you know, happened in the comics to some extent, but the discussion of like, oh, we're building you a new and considerably better robot suit. If that's so you, they could do something to have Brendan actually play physically the role. Nah, that's a sweet gig. He, because of how the audio sounds for Robot Man, he could just do it over the phone. He doesn't even have to go to a recording booth. Yeah, but they, I'm saying they go, here's a bigger check if you want to keep doing this. I hope they do that, if only so that they develop the character more, because he, he is easily my least favorite character in the show. Not because of Brendan Fraser, who I think nails the character as it's written. I just don't think that they've developed him as much 
beyond the angry robot guy even though they've spent a lot of time developing his family it's just he's still the angry guy that's all he does they do go into why he's like the way he is even down to like his sense of touch like how much that has to do with like his mentality sure like it really is just you're just an angry voice in a jar if they go with the comics there's going to be a season with him being literally nothing but a brain in a jar that was a man who enjoyed drinking beer having sex and shitting and he gets to do none of that now. <laughs> Danny, I realize that, you know, you're being funny, but I'm 50 and that shit is a reality to me now. So damn, I'm depressed again. <laughs> Just wait. I was happy to see Flex Mentality again. And I was also very happy to see Mark Shepard once again as Willoughby Kipling. I'm really happy we got Timothy Dalton the entire season. Agreed. As far as I'm concerned, Mark Shepard's welcome on anything. Oh, hell I'm yeah. Like, oh, it's Mark Shepard. Come on. They, they made the mistake of killing you off on Supernatural, which is one of the dumbest things any show has ever done. When he never came back? Timothy Dalton, I'm glad he was still around. I mean, I thought he was much better. I think it's because he's more proactive in this season. He's not just kind of this thing that they're trying to get to. He's here. He's dealing with him. He's making interesting choices that change the way the show proceeds from then on. Like, like he is a fully realized character here, finally. Well, hold the phone. One second. Jojo, where's all the hate you had for the other family figure from Umbrella Academy? Chief's a way worse person. Where's the anger? Oh my god, this season just makes you hate the Chief so much. Like, I think by, I don't know which episode involved the disco, but by the end of the episode, like, you, you wanted somebody to slap him. I will defend Niles Calder here. <laughs> Good le- luck. Look, <laughs> he fucked up. Several people's lives. But when it comes to emotional abuse, Chief only did it to his actual chop. Wait, I'm not making a good case. Okay, they're both He apples. kicked somebody out of a moving car, <laughs> and that didn't actually happen. That's a lower stakes version of what he does. Look, his reasoning for all the shitty stuff that he has done and continues to do is that the world will come to, the universe maybe, will come to an end if he doesn't. And... That's a not entirely unvalid point. There probably is a better way to do it, though, and make people sympathetic to your cause than saying, well, I have to be immortal. We haven't talked very much about Jane's story. I think the lady who plays Miranda, Samantha Marie Ware, they didn't do as much with her as you hope they're going to. And I like that actress quite a bit, so I keep hoping that was going to be more. We'll talk about in a minute, a spoiler, what happens there towards the end of that arc. But I, we think we all said Jane was one of our favorite characters this season and last season. She's all right. Except for Danny. <laughs> and that whole arc, I thought we got to see a lot more of what it's like, the architecture of Jane's head. We can't forget that the ending we got for this season isn't technically the uh, in quotes the approved ending because they had another episode that they were going to film and they were partway through filming when the quarantine happened and so they weren't able to finish it they just went well shit this kind of works as a cool cliffhanger ending so let's end it here this was the penultimate episode yeah. and it ends on a huge cliffhanger and, and frankly no, yeah. that is not a pun by the way yeah to avoid a covid case it's actually all going to be in the style of the dark crystal <laughs> <laughs> i'd be fine with that. i was gonna say she was becoming more present in the last half of the season i wouldn't be surprised if we get to see a lot more payoff to what she's been going through there is a show that finished their season with the animation though and i can't remember what show it was oh uh one day at a time no 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 <laughs> <laughs> no oh wait no no uh 
Avatar, Last Airbender. <laughs> MASH, The Blacklist. That's it. Yes. The Blacklist finished their last episode or two with animation. I was like, sure, why not? Anyway, let's not talk about that other show. Let's go into the finishing modes here. A couple of things we haven't brought up along the way. The introduction of Red Jack, an interdimensional Jack the Ripper being that appears and is super cool looking. I can't believe they actually did Red Jack. I... <laughs> what? It was going to happen. Holy shit, they're actually adapting this. The introduction of the pioneers of the Uncharted who appear and take a slightly different turn than they, they have traditionally in the comics. And one of them contains a negative spirit of her own, like Larry Trainer slash Negative Man does, except she's like, oh, you're still having problems with it? No, I figured that shit out decades ago, <laughs> like a month after it got into me. Pretty humiliating. And then... Larry, Victor, and Roni, who is Victor Stone's love interest this season, who I actually found that whole storyline kind of dull. The one cool thing that she got to do is they're infected with these pink bad idea creatures called the Scants. Watching that episode is like being on nitrous oxide. That was such a great episode, too. It was awesome. Let's now go to the spoiler point. Talking about the ending of this, the final episode which would have been the penultimate episode, episode nine, called Wax Patrol. The only thing sadder than the ending to Dinosaurs. Uh, we get to meet the, what the group's imaginary friends were. Jesus, the cowboy, and the fashion doll. By the way, huge mistake not getting Sam Elliott to play the cowboy. I would have accepted Jeff Goldblum. Yeah, but I was actually kind of happy to see Phil Morris brighten the fuck up on this show. I thought that they were specifically picking someone who looks like his dad. Like, like that was that the was whole the point same of act. it. Was it the same actor? I, I couldn't tell. Yeah, the same actor. Oh, okay. I knew it was either the same actor or someone who looked just like him, because that was clearly the... That's what happens when you just raise your eyebrows. <laughs> <laughs> also, we find out the Miranda, Jane's personality, who had reappeared after being gone for so long, presumed dead, who came back and said, no, when you fall in the wall, well, you don't die. You basically just meditate for, for a decade or something. Well, it turns out she's not Miranda, and the people in the well who had also got disappeared into there are actually all dead, including the real Miranda. So who uh, is the new Miranda? We don't know. Jane is herself lost in the mind well, discovering that the other personalities in there are actually dead. How will she escape? It's this projection of Kay's dad. I pretty much caught on to that when he, Miranda, I'm using, I, you can't see my quotey fingers. <laughs> I saw them. More or less said, oh, sweet, sweet baby. And if you pay attention to all the, like, the flashbacks and such, that's what he referred to her right before he would abuse her. First off, every single personality in her head is all Jane, and they've seen everything Jane has said, including the things that get under her skin and fuck with her. I would not call that anywhere near a confirmation. Second, even the showrunners have sort of, like, shrugged and giggled when people have made that suggestion in a way of saying, yeah, maybe. This show is so weird, I wouldn't say anything is definitive, but they definitely decidedly did not say who Miranda is. They left some things that could be hints, could be red herrings. Okay, J.J. Abrams. J.J. Abrams did, you know, kind of set a, a mystery box thing, and this is kind of mystery boxing. That just is saying. fair enough. I will say this show has the best depiction of Jesus Christ in forever. I disagree. The best portrayal of Jesus is from Robot Chicken. Huh. <laughs> I was going to go with Preacher. It's, it's Preacher. It's Preacher. I was going to say, I think that everybody out there needs to expect that whatever happens with Miranda to be quick, anticlimactic, and ultimately small. Because I'm convinced what the creators of this show do is anything that should be a major, huge, plot-changing event, they just wave it away like it's no big deal. 
like oh yeah you know <laughs> like we're infested the sex demons okay cool the sex men are here they exist who, who gives a shit and anything that's supposed to be like this small insignificant event ends up having massive implications in the show's plot like oh two kids decide to play a game together ends up almost destroying the world anyway dorothy has learned more about her power and how powerful she is with the help of her ghost question mark mother slava and has walked into the fire with the candle maker one of her projections who wants to take over the world in order to face him with the help of a cool looking fucking weapon she envisioned into being yeah i kind of want that for myself believe me they'll sell it at cons i'm sure Jordan, i don't trust you with that power you're just gonna break perpetually with a candle sticking out of your hand or somewhere <laughs> yeah maybe <laughs> uh speaking of that the doom patrol get all waxed oh, at the end of it God. and robot man gets it the worst <laughs> yeah at the end of it they're all covered in wax and robot man is literally broken into pieces but he is a robot man so he'll probably be okay uh speaking of robot man he didn't get to go to his daughter's wedding after all so we'll have to deal with some of the fallout he didn't deserve to go to his daughter's wedding <laughs> yes he did fuck you in his hallucination he cheats <laughs> i'm sorry you guys are killing me <laughs> Uh, the disagreement on this one is just like liquid gold, I'm telling you. <laughs> For sake of time, we gotta go to final thoughts. Who wants to go first? Uh, I'll get this out of the way. Alright, Jordan. You Doom go. Patrol is the best thing DC has going TV-wise. Or at least in live action. I absolutely love this show. I appreciate how weird it's willing to get. It's embracing its source material this season. Definitely a lot stronger than the first in a lot of ways. Better? Almost. I am kind of upset this is where we're left off at, but fucking Worldwide Crisis, okay. <laughs> I still enjoy the absolute hell out of it. So I'm going to give it 9 out of 10 sexy poltergeists. Dog it! You know, there's one aspect of the show I don't think I talk about this enough, and I don't think anybody else does. Because of how the character relationships are set up, you never have to worry about any kind of weird pairings of romantic interests. And that's so refreshing to see nowadays. Even Umbrella Academy is guilty of characters give each other doomy eyes and they're all siblings. But here... <laughs> well, uh, adopted. We, we don't get that. And that's fine. And it's great. Uh, I love all these characters. Everybody should watch the show. I'm going to give this like 10 out of 10 sex demon dances that I was dancing with. Showing I watch too much porn and you're like, they're all siblings. Like, I'm your step sibling. <laughs> Aaron? God damn it, I got <laughs> um, Follow that. Yeah, no, just follow that. No, no big deal. This is probably the best comic-oriented show on television right now. It's a show that inherently goes, what if superheroes don't actually want to be heroes and are just really complicated people? And I love that approach because gives them the ability to make a lot of interesting choices. Every episode is drastically different. You will never know where the show is going. And it has some of the most believable and nuanced characters on television. It's great. The only flaw I have is there's a couple of characters who maybe don't develop as much this season. I'd like to see go further in season three. Maybe we'll get that. Uh, I'm going to give this nine out of ten fungal astronauts. 
You know, I'll be honest, this penultimate ending really did hurt it. And they keep pressing it like, oh, no, no, no. We found this ended up being a perfect ending. I'm like, it wasn't. The arc was incomplete. Yeah. It felt like a 80s television show cliffhanger, which is annoying. I get it. You didn't have much choice here. You're doing your best you can to spin it positive. That's fine. But it really did hurt the show by doing it that way. And uh, I hate that. This season is also, as Danny pointed out, a lot more melodramatic to points where it really kind of hurt it, especially with Larry, for me, and especially with Cliff. Cliff's story with him reconnecting with his daughter is played weirdly for laughs and it never isn't uncomfortable, but not in a funny way. I think they really need to figure out something to do with Cliff because as it is, he, they're kind of treading water with the one joke they have for that character. He's really pissed off all the time and as impotent to do anything about it. I hope they do find him a different suit that he can do different things, has more, I don't know, sense of movement, something, anything, just something new. Where on the other hand, I did really like a lot of the new stuff that was introduced this season. Really hoping that they just get Danny the Street up and running again, because quite frankly, my favorite character that has ever been in Doom Patrol and arguably one of my top 10 of any superhero comic ever. I love the fuck out of Danny the Street. Cyborg is dull, never should have been in the show in the first place. There's a lot of other black characters they could have picked from in the DC canon. Why you would pick one of the Justice League is baffling. It's because Cyborg How is How dare you? Now. I love Cyborg. They're pushing Cyborg in a lot of stuff because they want to genuinely make him into an A-lister, and it doesn't seem to be working well. They've tried with everything, man. They tried it with the movie, and people were like, meh. They tried it on the television show, and people were like, meh. They have him on Titans, and people were like, mm, double meh. And they're like, okay, get him off Titans. You, and put you him can't on admit he's better this season than last? It is funny to me that they thought Titans was going to be their big hit, and Doom <laughs> Patrol was like the chancy one. And Titans, everyone's like, eh, I mean, I guess it's all right. And Doom Patrol, everyone's like, this is one of the best things on television. Completing the trifecta of super weird superhero live action TV shows, this Umbrella Academy and Legion. I think this is kind of a must watch, even though I do think this season dips down a bit from last season. Jane is amazing. Rita is amazing. I love all the stuff with Dorothy and the Chief and the way that story is playing out. There's a lot to love here. It still needs some finessing. The first season was stronger. This is still very strong. Very much. I'm not worried about the show. Let me put it that way. I'm going to give it a 8 out of 10 butt candles. I proposed for season 3 a full musical episode set on Danny the Street. No. I am tired of TV shows doing musicals. Okay, Doggett is suddenly Outvoted. gone. I can't hear him. The Flash and Supergirl couldn't even do it. Yes, they did. Okay. That was an awful episode. Uh, he's right. That was an awful oh, episode. Oh, you're both wrong. 